Hey, Wizards fans, welcome to the latest episode of the Off the Bench Podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. Chris Miller here of NBC Sports Washington and Monumental Sports and Entertainment. Our guest today is the hot shooting Corey Kispert, now a season and a half into his NBA career. The Gonzaga product recently sat down with us to talk about his second season communicating on the floor and why it's so important to move without the basketball. Corey recently was mic'd up during a game where we saw all of those things on display. He also gives some tips to young basketball players on how to move offensively without plays actually being called for you. Corey is also preparing for the most important event of his life, marriage, and one goal that he has on the floor. And it might not surprise you. All that and more coming up as we talk to Corey Kispert on this latest episode of the Off the Bench Podcast. Wizards fans, Capital One Arena partnered with Clear to help Wizards fans get into the games faster for free. Beat the crowds on game day and enter through designated Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. Download the free Clear app and get started today. What's good, Wizards fans? Welcome to the latest episode of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. Chris Miller with our special guest. Corey Kispert, at the time of this interview, you would have played a full season and a half. So let's get the assessment of Corey Kispert a year and a half into your NBA experience. Where are you more comfortable today than you were, let's say, a year and a half ago? Um, I am way more comfortable, I guess, like scheme in the NBA. Um, the college game and the NBA game are so different, and now I feel like I have a better idea of what's coming on defense and what other teams are trying to do. Um, and it kind of puts you at ease, especially playing defense, um, to kind of be a step ahead. I told you after we mic'd you up a couple of weeks ago, I just loved your candor during the game, real time. It's the kind of access, like I'm sure, you know, knuckleheads like me and fans really appreciate hearing when the bullets are kind of flying for real, what's kind of like the communication. And the one thing that I took away from it is you are very communicative in game. Communicating with your teammates, scheme, even after a game, talking to the opposition. Have you always been a player that has been someone that is really vocal on the floor? No, not always. That's a learned skill that I've had to adjust and cultivate in myself. Um, I've always been a guy that wants to lead by example first and then kind of use his voice second. And I've had to develop my voice over the last couple of years. And part of the way that I can do that is you know being communicative on the floor whether that's talking to my teammates or the other team or coaches um, being overly communicative and clear um, does nothing but help everybody on the floor so um, i'm glad you liked it and it was great yeah. i told you before i was like we need to mic you up every game yeah. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um a part of that too is you being comfortable talking to the officials mm -hmm. in the game it's Part of the NBA, right? Players always talk to the referees. How do you think you've done in, in, in that part of it? Maybe getting maybe some interpretation on a rule concept or things like that. Yeah, that's the one I go to him a lot for. Is like this rule is new or this situation is new, and I need clarity. I need clarity on it, right? Like, why did you call what you called? Why are you reviewing something at the table? Um, what's the situation? Whose ball is it? Stuff like that. Um, that's what I want clarity at, just to learn the game better. And I know that you know, three, four, five years down the road. Like, that's the stuff that makes like really high IQ players super high IQ is they understand every situation. And I'm just trying to soak it up and be a sponge. And I'm not afraid to ask questions even if they're dumb. 
because um, I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I loved one of the one things, too, during that mic'd up segment is you to literally would at your teammates say, look, we got to run the play. Yeah, run, run the play. Don't, Don't change, change it play. up. I yeah. mean, there's a reason why we run the play. In terms of talking to your your teammates, I mean, again, you're a year and a half in. You got guys that have been in the league like Taj Gibson. He's 37 years old. What's the kind of been the reception of, and how long did it kind of take you to feel comfortable really talking to the group like that? Yeah, it took me a good portion of last year. I mean, the majority of those games last year to really feel like I had the staying power to actually say some things and hopefully have them stick. Um, obviously, my voice doesn't carry as far as some other guys, like you mentioned, Taj and Brad. Those guys' voices, like when they start talking, everybody stops. Um, but I still feel like I mean, there's a lot of room left to grow in that, in that regard. But like, I think I, I mean, I feel very comfortable. And as you heard, I feel very comfortable um, letting my voice be known or letting my voice be heard on the floor, especially. So, with the unfortunate time that Brad has missed last year and this year opportunity has knocked for you yep. where you have kind of stepped in I feel seamlessly especially this year mm -hmm. in that starting role though talk about your preparation does your preparation change when you know situations like that are going to come up that you know you're one one going to start play starters minutes and know that you're going to be in the game for that period of time yeah absolutely there's two different preparation like routines for me and that's starting and not starting so I know from if I'm starting a game, I know that I need to be full sweat, ready to okay. go as soon as the buzzer sounds. We do the national anthem because, like, when you get on the floor, a lot of times NBA games take six, seven, eight minutes to kind of warm up and get in the flow. And if I can be warm and ready to go from the jump, like that gives me an advantage over you know another team. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know, secondary is um, you know not coming off the bench, not starting, and I got to warm up my voice. I got to make sure I'm communicating. I got to make sure I know what coverages we're in like you know eight minutes into the game and um so it's completely different it's completely different and um you know brad being out has been really unfortunate for us as a team but it's given me opportunity to learn and and kind of put myself in both situations because as my career goes on you know it, it could go either way and i know you want to be a starter i mean listen who wouldn't want to be one but closing the games are really important too what have you noticed about when you are in the starting lineup and you're closing games, how has your mental approach kind of changed? Yeah, I mean, you got to like sharpen up. You got to tighten up when those end of game situations happen. Things have to be crisp. Um, communication, yeah. extra clear. Um, and even if we play 82 games, like no one wants to drop a silly one at the end of a game. Mm -hmm. And um, we struggled kind of closing quarters and um, as a team. And so obviously that could get better on our end. Um, but the, the games that we've been, you know, down the wire, um, close games with, with a lot of different teams this year has given me tons of opportunity to learn lessons and grow and only become a better leader and a better, you know, game manager. At the time of this podcast, we're coming off a loss against New Orleans where there's been multiple games now, two in a row where turnovers have been kind of the story. Mm -hmm. How much do you think about that as the game is over with in the locker room? And then how much do you kind of let games like that how much do you like stop thinking about it? Like mm -hmm. on to the next one, as mm -hmm. people like to say. Yeah, I think it's to totally wash a game away is kind of silly in my mm -hmm. mind. Um, I think it's important to, like you said, with the turnovers, like zero in on maybe one thing that we could have done better in this game. And mm -hmm. like um, I, one of the coaches told me a stat to this, uh, today at practice, we gave up 39 points off of turnovers against New Orleans. Like imagine trying to beat an NBA team down 39 to zero, oh. like from the start. Um, that's you can't you're gonna lose every time so right. um, maybe taking that turnover you know taking care of the rock being extra careful with passes and um, 
you know, being the aggressor and not being on our heels, um, all that can lead to taking care of the ball better. And that's one thing we can take away from that New Orleans game and easily, easily implement it, you know, as soon as tomorrow. I think about life outside of the NBA and I think about the travel. Mm -hmm. I think about rest. I think about eating right. I think about talking to your wife, fiance, your parents, all this other stuff outside the game. How have you navigated that a year and a half in? Yeah, it's really hard to drop. It's really hard to drop. And my parents and my family back home are conscious of that. They spend as little time talking with me about basketball as they can. Um, sometimes I call them to vent and call them to get stuff <laughs> off my chest. Yeah. But they know, like, they know me for who I am. They know me for who I was before I started playing. And um, that's really important. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really, really been a conscious effort on my part and their part to not let that stuff kind of bleed back and forth. And that when I leave this gym or I leave Capital One, like everything is just left there. Yeah. And I can be Corey, the person, when I leave. Good God, man, you're ahead of the curve because I'm still trying to figure that out. No, you know, not, I haven't figured it out either. I'm just trying. You know, after that Pelicans game, I was in the car <laughs> driving home going, did I call that play right? Did I do this? Did, like, did I get home and I'm kind of like, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you're trying to prepare for a wedding also mm -hmm. and playing basketball. Mm -hmm. What's that like? That's that's challenging. Um, I've written a lot of save the dates over the last couple of days. My hand's a little sore, <laughs> um, but it's a full time job. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to be as plugged into this as possible. It's my wedding as well as hers. Right. And um, anything I can do during the course of the season to take the weight off of her shoulders to help plan this thing is what I'm going to do. So um, it's starting to be less and less of just like concepts and we're starting to you know put deposits down on things and things are starting to take shape and starting to feel like an actual event that we can get excited for so um it's on the right track walking down the aisle man i can't wait to see the video of you doing it because everybody has their own stories yeah. i just remember being knock needed and mm. feeling like i was going to faint yeah. hope you don't have that experience yeah, I hope so um, too. I stay all right so tell me about prepping for a game at home compared to prepping for a game on the road. Give me the the differences and maybe the nuances of the two. Yeah, um, like, I, like, like I mentioned with the starting and the not starting, like the home and away are two separate things and you gotta have a routine for both. So um, the main difference is that everything here is familiar. Everything here is comfortable. You wake up in your own bed, you get to eat your own breakfast. Um, you know your way around this place. Um, and then on the road, things are scheduled out for you. You got times you got to be on the bus. And you got times you got to be at breakfast and films a certain time. So um, here's a little more casual, um, a little more familiarity and flow to it. On the road, it's very rigid. Um, but, you know, as soon as you get to the arena, I try to get to the arena about the same time relative to game time, um, home and away. And I try to make that part on okay. as similar as possible. So as soon as you get to the arena, regardless if you're home or away, that's when the real prep starts yeah. and it's the most consistent that it can be. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's good too. Like when you mentioned turning it off and thinking about things for too long, like if you're thinking about the game the whole day and you know you, you can't sleep because you're nervous, you're thinking about whatever, um, you can't take your nap, can't eat, um, and you get to the arena and like it wears on you mentally. Yeah. It's a long time to be mulling over something like that. So using that time of like walking into the arena at the same time as like, okay, like lock in mode. Mm -hmm. And um, that's really helped me keep my mind fresh and also keep it sharp um, when I need it to be. Has it happened to you yet where you wake up and you don't know what city you're in? Yeah. When did it happen? Um, it was last year. I remember last year it was in Boston. <laughs> I had to check the weather app. Yeah, like kind of pulled the weather app. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm here, you know. 
that was a bad feeling, man. And Isn't that weird? That's the weirdest weird. feel of just not knowing where you are, and then you call home and you're checking in. And I remember my wife this year. We were in. We did the part of the Phoenix trip. So we we did Phoenix, Utah, Sac, and I started. Didn't I didn't feel well in Phoenix, and I was like, I think I'm catching a cold, whatever. And we got to Utah, and I was miserable. Mm-hmm. And my wife's like, Where are you? And I was like. And I had to open the blinds, yeah, and I yeah, saw yeah. the mountains. I was like, Utah, Utah, <laughs> Utah. We were in Phoenix. Yeah, it, it's weird about our schedule that way. But the one thing that I do like about the NBA is, is we get to experience a lot of cool things, right? What's kind of been like kind of the coolest thing off the court that you've experienced so far? Um, I think it would be our trip to Japan. Yeah, yeah, that was really really cool. Um, games aside, they really did a great job of doing the best they could with the time that we had, mm-hmm. um, exploring, traveling, seeing these places. Um, we did a great job as a team, like on our own, um, going out to dinners and trying to see different stuff. And I don't know if I ever would have traveled to Japan just mm-hmm. on my own if I didn't play. Right. So uh, just that opportunity alone to see that country was amazing. I'm oh. super thankful for it. I'll finish with this. Like, What are some of your individual goals that you have for Corey Kispert? three-point contest one day, first-team NBA, those things like that. Is there a checklist of things that you want to get done? Yeah, the one that I've always that I've had my, my eyes set on, even in college, was 50-40-90. Okay. That's kind of the, the, the mark of, like, an amazing offensive, you know, efficient offensive player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And that's where I want to hang my hat. And I know I'm close this year. I've been tracking it. Um, Got to get my free throw numbers up a little bit, but... Uh, I think even not this year, it's a really good goal to kind of strive for that only a few people have really done. Yeah, when you think about it, you think of like obviously Steph Curry comes mm-hmm. to mind and you just see the efficiency and I think of Kevin Durant like mm-hmm. that. Are there certain guys that you've seen or tracked 50, 40, 90 to go, okay, this is how that they got this done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like honestly, I think that free throws might be the hardest part. Okay. I mean, 90% of the line is like very, very good. And that Steph's like a 90 career free throw shooter. So that's, that's difficult really like focusing up, especially for someone like me that doesn't normally shoot a bunch of free throws every game. Like you have to really lock in on the two or four that you get every game and, and make them count. Um, and then, I mean, I've shot, I've shot over 40 over in a season you know, in college and, um, you know, small sample size here in the league, but I think I can get that done too. All right, one last thing. It's almost kind of like a coaching tip for kids that are watching us on YouTube or listening to us. Um, I've always said this about you since you've been in the league. I think you're one of the best cutters I've seen in this league. What's the key to that for kids that are playing basketball and maybe plays aren't called for them, but they can still be active offensively? Yeah, um, for me, it's, 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 seeing what your defender does. So the moment that you can see like their numbers, for example, you know they can't see you and then you cut. Okay. Um, and then there's certain plays on the floor that, you know, if a guy drives baseline, you know you can cut this way. Or if a guy drives middle, you know you can cut a different way. So there's certain situations on the floor that happen naturally through the flow of the game that just provide themselves for cuts. And it's just a matter of time before one of them opens up and you do it enough that you're going to get rewarded for it. So for the kids at home that are complaining to their coach that they don't run plays for them, CK24 just told yeah, you, just cut to the basket, man. There'll be opportunities. Then yell at the point guard for not passing points. you the ball. Three points. CK, thanks, brother. Yeah, of course, man. Appreciate you, brother. Of course. Thanks, Chris.